Well, Dr. Heather, she's based at Intelligent Health. She's a naturopathic physician and uh, it's on the Beach Road. A relatively new facility. Yeah, the clinic itself has been open, I think, since August. I just, August last year, I just joined uh, in May. Um, my colleague, Dr. Graham Simpson, he used to be at a different clinic in Dubai and he does a lot of sort of um, bioidentical hormones, metabolic syndrome, weight loss as well, men's health, that sort of thing. So we're a great team. It's it's exciting. Yeah. And it's in the Sunset Mall on the beach. Yep, so you've got Mall. a fabulous view of the sea from a your... gorgeous oh. view. <laughs> I must come down. I must make an excuse to you come down. You need to come. You need to come. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, a couple have come in regarding children, which is a really good point to make actually um and and with weight and yeah. weight gain mm-hmm. or weight loss yeah and uh somebody here is uh and I, I guess with family history as well um somebody talking about their six-year-old um boy and saying that there's a bit of belly fat a little bit of tummy fat and concerned about that should they be looking at their diet particularly because there's a bit of family history there of weight gain yeah it's you know i see a lot of kids and six is a great age to get your child on board with um sort of getting getting a healthy eating pattern going um the the when i talk to children it's important i I try to make it about you know healthy decisions good decisions and not about being fat or skinny because there's a lot of you know kids can be very cruel to one another and i just want to take that judgment out of the conversation you know a six-year-old doesn't need to feel like he needs to worry about his weight no so it just it just becomes focused on you know here's what we can do to be healthy for our the rest of our lives and once they're on board with that kind of a change then usually the weight loss happens naturally um the biggest challenge that i see with children is in families where they've sort of allowed the kids to make decisions about food. I mean, in the same way that you wouldn't allow your six-year-old to jump out of a plane if you wanted to, you we need to make those decisions also for our kids around food. We can't let a six-year-old decide what dinner's going to be because he's probably going to want candy apples and spaghetti or whatever it is. You know what I mean? So the parent needs to be in charge of the change 100%. It's still okay to offer choice to kids, but it shouldn't be an open-ended choice. Mm. It should be, you know, you can choose uh, item A, B, or C for your dinner, but it shouldn't be like, oh, what do you want? Okay, here's what we're going to do. So, And it's also okay to include junk food or treats or whatever, but those things should be on one special day a week. They shouldn't be junk food or treats every day. I think that's such a good point to make yeah. it feels like that's how it's become yeah every day something sweet something fatty something yeah. is being eaten and that's just too much it is and you know food manufacturers have gotten very savvy about this as well you know you can buy lunchbox sized um, candy bars and there's no reason for a child to have a chocolate bar in his lunch every day that's just not that's not that's dangerous that's something that eventually will probably catch up with them I've actually had parents say to me before that they feel like they're um, damaging their children if they don't give them those things that they're preventing them from enjoying a part of their childhood if they don't give them those things and that is that is like that's crazy that's like <laughs> isn't it interesting that's that's and that's, I wonder why they feel like that yeah, and where it's, that comes from, it's, it's, especially every single day. Yeah, it's it's absolutely unfortunate social conditioning. And then I need to, then the problem is not 
the child. The problem is the parent's conditioning and the parent's belief system. And then that's what we need to change in order for the child to get healthy. So to display my love for my child is to pack up a lunchbox and maybe there's a sandwich in there and maybe there's a juice and maybe there's a chopped up apple but also there's a mini chocolate bar too right. just so they know that they're that loved, they're, they're loved. And, that it's, yeah. and, and that that is social programming or isn't it it absolutely is or you know if I don't give him the chocolate bar he's going to look at all his friends and they all have it and he's going to feel ostracized so I may as well give it to him so that he doesn't feel like left he's going to be made fun of or mm. left out and that also is a, a social conditioning issue you know the child needs to be empowered and be able to say to their friends wow, look at me, I'm eating a really healthy lunch. My mom really cares about me because, or my dad, because they're preparing this amazing food for me, this healthy, natural food for me. And it's in the same way that it was easy for people to get socially conditioned around the candy bars. It's also, e- it's, I mean, it sounds hard, but it's actually easy to change our belief systems and change the way we think about food and not allow... Um, those messages to damage our kids. Mm, mm, you know? So to love the taste of carrot and yeah. cucumber. And, and it's okay. It's okay to have the chocolate, but yeah. on one day a week, exactly. you know, or on your fun day or at your friend's birthday party that you're going to on the weekend. Or, you know, I know this is an issue in schools where, you know, people are bringing in stuff all the time because it's so-and-so's birthday and next week it's someone else's birthday. So they're going to be getting stuff at school as well. And that's a whole separate issue. I've got my own opinions about that as well but it's you know they're not going to they're not going to get to their teenage years and be suffering from a chocolate deficiency you know what I mean yeah so the the that kind of stuff is what we talk about with kids um portion sizes and helping the child understand how to eyeball portion sizes themselves um you know a good example is children need about four or five fist-sized portions of protein every day so the child's fist he can easily look at his own fist and say okay that's how much chicken i should be having at dinner or that's how much you know that's how much dal or lentils i should be having with my lunch Those are the things we talk about. Well, interesting. Uh, Tom was talking earlier on the agenda about uh, sugar and uh, fizzy drinks. And again, that's an issue again for for kids as well as adults. And uh, off the back of that, uh, Leslie texted in just earlier saying, and it kind of ties into what you're talking about. When our daughter was growing up 20 years ago, as a treat, we used to share one can of Coke between three of us. Now at 30, she's never had that craving for fizzy drinks. Even now, the only drink we have in the house is water. it is there it's always it's going to be a temptation uh you need to be strong and leslie says i have a strong wife who's kept us all in order kept the family on the right track so it just highlights what you are instilling in your child will go a long way in how they are as an adult yeah absolutely and children 100 i mean every parent knows this children 100 percent model their behavior after the adults that are in their lives so if the goal is for the child to eat more healthily then everybody does mom dad they need to model that behavior for their child and when the child sees you sitting at the dinner table enjoying your vegetables and enjoying your grilled chicken breast and talking about how delicious delicious it is and talking about how much love and enjoyment went into preparing it that sends all of those messages like this is a positive experience I want to hear about pregnancy and uh, Amal saying that uh, his wife 
during pregnancy, she gets cravings for chilies. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's actually a pretty common um, craving. And, you know, again, I haven't seen the science behind why that is. But one of the things that I suspect is that spicy food is a bit of a digestive stimulant. So when you eat something spicy, it helps to stimulate digestive enzyme production and stomach acid production. And for a lot of women, just the experience of being pregnant, the abdominal organs shift around a little bit and that can affect digestion. So craving something spicy is something that would actually help her break down food and possibly help her with digestion. So I, I, I would, I would, that, that's my guess as to why that would be. If you are looking at your weight, and I know you can do the tests and you can uh, look at yourself as an individual, what your calorie intake should be via your energy expenditure to keep you on track. Uh, Generally speaking, a a woman who's, say, in her Mm mid-30s, average build, what kind of consumption of food should she or he, actually, and I know it's different per genders, what should they be looking at in their life? style. Yeah. So let's say woman mid thirties, maybe she's 165 centimeters. Um, If she wants to maintain a healthy weight, then probably about 1800 calories a day. Um, If she's really active, then more than that. And if it's for men, it's more like sort of 2200, 2300. Now, weight loss isn't just about calorie restriction. And in fact, we can go too far on the extreme with calorie restriction. You know, if we measure your your baseline metabolic rate as, let's say, a really average basic metabolic rate for women, that's what they would burn just lying down for 24 hours. That's what they burn just keeping themselves alive would be about 1400 calories. So if we put that woman on a 1200 calorie a day diet, she's actually getting fewer calories than she needs just to stay alive. She will lose weight, of course, but the body will probably start regaining the weight once she goes back to a a slightly more normal diet because the body thinks that she's not getting enough food. Her body will think that if she carries on on this 1200 calorie a day diet, she's going to starve to death eventually. And that means means that eventually her body will want to store fat and it will become harder and harder for her to lose weight on that restricted a calorie intake and easier and easier for her to regain it. So we can go too far in the direction of calorie restriction as well. But this, I mean, the unfortunate reality is that most of us are inadvertently overeating. We're actually consuming more calories than we think we are. It's difficult, isn't it? There's lots of temptation. There's lots of temptation, Lots of choice and lots of marketing as well. Absolutely. enticing us um, on the topic of well we've just mentioned there about uh, cravings and um, somebody just said my wife would eat chalk every day we had to go to <laughs> Woolworths every day and buy packets of board chalks and she would just sit there munching them that is disturbing <laughs> we're not advocating that's what no, you should be doing if you're don't. pregnant please don't go and buy the board chalks and start munching on them but chalk you know there's a calcium in chalk there's calcium in chalk I mean for sure I would test her for calcium and vitamin D and see if there's a deficiency and probably supplement her to see if that would help. But hey, you can get calcium from chalk. Definitely not advocating that though. And Dr. Heather Ede, naturopathic physician at Intelligent Health. And we're going to the phone lines. You've got quite a lot going on. Um, If you just want to tell us uh, the main issues you're facing and what advice you need from Dr. Heather. The main issue is I'm not healthy anymore. I am 54 years old. Okay, mm-hmm. and 
since I was young, I had uh, high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Yani it was normally more than 13. Okay. 13 and with 9, on, mm-hmm. on 9. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now it's going when with I, I am facing a lot of stress. My uh, blood pressure is going up and down, 14, 15, okay. like this. I'm not doing anything because I have a stomach problem. I cannot take any pills, anything, not eating uh, fruit or anything. But the main problem is I have a high cholesterol now. It's 265 mm-hmm. and LDL, I don't know how much I forgot, but mm-hmm. I know it's higher. Also but high. Yeah, I mm-hmm. take it last year. Okay. Mm-hmm. We don't have this in my family at mm-hmm. all. My mom, she passed away at 75 she, without any, uh, any this kind of disease, anything. But I am the only person in my family I had this high cholesterol. And, and now with my stomach problem, I cannot take any pills. I went mm-hmm. to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Doctor prescribed me some medicine for cholesterol. I went to the uh, pharmacies. They said, because you are young and you don't need it, just do some exercise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. But you and can't exercise because you've got issues with your knees. So you're going around exactly. in circles, exactly. aren't you? Exactly. Do- exactly. Dr. Heather. Well, the, the first thing I would do is, is understand the stomach problem. So get a, a, have they diagnosed what's causing the, the digestive symptoms? Actually, this is going to be a long story. 20 years I have this problem. I have H. pylori positive. I treat it and it's coming back. Yeah. Every time, every year, I take for two weeks, even one month. I take okay. the so the, the first thing that we the first thing that we need to do is sort out the H. pylori. And if you're getting recurrent infections, you're probably getting it from a family member. I've seen this before, where then the spouse also needs to be treated at the same time. Um, and once the stomach is improved, then we don't need to worry so much about how we change your diet. But certainly, if you're unable to exercise and your cholesterol is high, one of the newer findings that has shown in some of the research around diet changes and high cholesterol is that putting people on sort of a paleolithic diet or a caveman-type t- diet, they're calling it, actually lowers cholesterol. Now, we, th- we thought for a long time that eating foods that are high in cholesterol, like eggs and coconut oil and that sort of thing, would actually increase our cholesterol levels. But actually, those, those things are, are, are good for us. And, and what tends to actually cause cholesterol to go up is how we metabolize sugars in our diet. That I have we, no sugar. I'm not yeah, that's okay. I'm not, I'm not talking about, I'm not saying that you're diabetic or pre-diabetic. I would probably test it anyway and look at the fasting glucose as well as the fasting insulin. But if your cholesterol is high, you can have an abnormal b- metabolism of sugars without your fasting glucose being abnormal. And in particular, if you're unable to exercise, we know that exercise lowers LDL and increases HDL. But if you're unable to exercise, then we need to change the diet in order to lower your cholesterol. Is there any kind of exercise that you could do? Could you swim? Can you do, I mean, even just no, walk? Because, no? I can walk. I can walk. I okay. do a lot of walking. Okay, okay, good. And recently I started because I had a problem for last year. I could not do it. I have, my mom was sick. I could not do any anything. But now it started in one week. So I started and walking. Okay, great. Like, yeah, I'm doing some exercise, and uh, I, I used to do a martial art. I work okay. six uh, days a week, but now I cannot do anything, and it makes me worry because I don't know what to do. Well, what about, the, oh, sorry to interrupt, but also, you know, some 
breathing exercises, some mindfulness practice, just to help with, you know, the anxiety the and the worry, levels. the stress levels. Yeah. I have too much, too much stress. Too well, and, much. and the stress also actually impacts cholesterol production because yeah. your stress hormone, cortisol, is made from a cholesterol backbone. So getting you onto a strategy to manage the stress is really important. That's, I mean, we would need to sit down for, a, you know, a proper be able to go through it in more detail really for me to give you treatment advice but if there's one take-home message around what you can start doing to lower your cholesterol the best thing that I can advise you to do is switch to a paleo diet so a paleo diet cuts out all grains rice bread flour etc pasta that sort of thing but includes animal protein animal fats plant fats fruits vegetables nuts and seeds it cuts out grains it cuts out dairy products it cuts out um, beans and pulses and there's great books at the bookstores in dubai about paleo diet and this is something that in the clinical research is actually reversing metabolic syndrome and metabolic syndrome high cholesterol is part of metabolic syndrome Mm. so for someone who's a little bit limited in what you can do in terms of activity, that type of a diet change will help you start seeing a shift with cholesterol levels. I hope we've helped you a little bit this morning. I know but there's please a, get the stomach thing yes, sorted out. Exactly. Yeah. I know there's a lot more going on there, but sometimes just starting somewhere with the walking is great. Start taking on board just a little, little, little to make a big difference in the long run and to help you with coping with such a lot to deal with. Thank you so much for your call this morning. Sorry, just one last question. We do have to move on. I'm really sorry. But what we'll do is we'll keep you on the line with my producer, Petra, and uh, we wish you all the very best. Stay tuned to the show. Thank Thank you. you. Take care. Take care. Yeah, you know, I mean, you can feel, and this is, you know, you're not alone. That person's not alone. For sure. One thing leads to another thing to another thing. Then something in your life happens that causes you a lot of upset and stress. And you start to feel like you can't cope. Absolutely. And and what's important when I see someone that has a lot going on is just that we prioritize. We, and that's that's sort of what we didn't have time to really do in in a phone conversation. But, you know, normally we would, you know, if a person is having digestive problems, is having a lot of stress and anxiety, also has high cholesterol, also has a knee problem, can't exercise, then we need to prioritize what is the most important thing that we change first, what will help that person feel better most immediately, and what is the most risky thing to leave untreated. And then that's where we target the first couple of months of treatment. And then once those early things are improving, a lot of times other things just fall into place something I've made to text in and it's a good point to make for many people that have been fasting throughout the holy month how they transition back into regular eating and regular hours now in Ahmed's case he's gained three kilos during Ramadan many of my friends and family lost weight how could I have avoided weight gain yeah so people often people who gain weight during Ramadan have a little bit of an insulin resistance picture so what happens is you fast all day your blood sugar drops really low and if you're insulin resistant you're already you already have a tendency to overproduce insulin and insulin's job is to push glucose from your bloodstream into your cells so you've been fasting all day your blood sugar is really low you go for that first meal if you're insulin resistant you automatically will overshoot with insulin so he has that first meal his insulin levels go way higher than they need to and that results in glucose in his blood from that meal immediately getting pushed into cells and if you're not physically using up 
that glucose in the cell. The body just stores it as fat. So when a person is fasting all day and only eating in the evening and still manages to gain weight doing that, then usually it's because they're insulin resistant and the insulin resistance needs to be treated. Unfortunately, the the worst dietary habit for people who are insulin resistant is going too long between meals because that then triggers the body to overshoot with insulin when they do eat again. So once he's once Ramadan is finished, I would just get him on a program where he's eating very regularly, he's getting enough protein, he's avoiding the carbohydrates that are refined and cause that fast insulin spike. I would test his fasting glucose Dr. Heather Ede is here, naturopathic physician, and then integrative see if he medicine specialist, if he'll do well on something like chromium or we posted up Dr. Like Heather's contact details on our website. Check out Dubai today at dubai1038.com. You can also click on the health page there within the Dubai Today site with some helpful and interesting tips when it comes to your health and well-being. We've been talking about weight gain and weight loss, when it's intentional and when it's not, how to manage your body and your health and understanding what conditions can contribute to weight gain or weight loss, not always to be fearful of, but certainly if you are noticing weight loss for no real apparent reason, do go and see your GP, go and see a doctor, get it checked out or see somebody like Dr. Heather. And if you're gaining weight and you think, listen, I'm eating all the right foods, I'm exercising, but I'm actually gaining weight. Well, we've talked about how hormones change in your body could be affecting that. Um, the thyroid could be an issue. Insulin resistance could be a possible issue. And it's a similar case here with somebody who went to see their specialist and said, you know, I eat a lot, but I eat a lot of good food. And my snacks are hummus, you know, fruit, nuts, seeds. Why is it that I've been gaining weight? So those sorts of foods, which we are told to eat, natural oil, good oils, Mm. getting olive oil into our diet, coconut oil into our diet, but still not losing weight or indeed gaining weight well it's it's yeah so the question is okay it's great to include those foods but what foods what's the rest of the picture so the questions i would have are around quantity of intake i mean i'm i'm a good example of this i also eat a really really healthy diet but it's easy for me to unintentionally overweight or overeat so of course if i'm eating hummus and nuts and seeds and carrots and vegetables and and juicing wild fish and all of that stuff but eating too much of it i'm still going to gain weight um so that that part, what kind of portions are we talking about? Um, what are the meal timings like? If she's going more than sort of three, four hours without eating, then her glucose levels will drop. And especially if she's on a low glycemic index diet, that will happen. And then her next meal, she'll overshoot with insulin. That will cause a little bit of weight gain. If all of those things are in check, she's also active, then what about thyroid? Then what about adrenal function? Then what about sex hormones? Is there something happening with estrogen that's promoting fat retention? So I would just start asking more of those questions. And you can ask those questions of yourself as well. And I think you have to be very honest with yourself about, you know, what you're eating and what your activity levels are like. Um, Here's a message. Um, Last year, my weight was 73 kgs and there was a sudden increase in my weight. My present weight is 79. I eat less in the morning. I have either oats or cornflakes with milk. Lunch, I have rice and dinner. Either I have rice and at dinner, I have oats or cornflakes 
or steamed veggies. Um, I go for walks in the evening. I play badminton, but still there's no change in my weight. The other issue is that I feel my, in myself that I'm getting big, you know, my arms, chest and tummy, but no increase in weight. So I think what she's saying is she feels like she's retaining fluid and that she notices that there's sort of bloating or fluid retention. My biggest concern about what she said is that she's described all of the carbs that she's eating. So my question is, what are her protein sources and how frequently is she getting the protein sources? Because if her diet is primarily carbohydrate based, then it will be difficult to lose weight. Um, corn flakes are made from corn, which has a really high glycemic index and is a refined form of corn. So I would cut out the cornflakes for sure. Just clarify uh, high glycemic index. Yeah, so uh, what the term high glycemic index means is that that's a food that will cause insulin levels to spike. And the higher your insulin levels go when you eat that food, the faster you're pushing sugar from your bloodstream into your cells. And if you're not immediately burning off that sugar, then you end up just storing it as fat. So the more we can slow down that response, the easier it is for us to burn our fat stores and lose weight. So the questions I have around diet are just around her protein intake and do we need to limit some of her carbohydrate types. One of the things that's been really interesting about a paleo diet, paleo diet also cuts out um, dairy. Dairy is a food that they are calling insulinogenic. So Mm. dairy has this ability to promote insulin production, which is very strange because that's true for dairy-based foods that don't particularly have a lot of sugar in them. So the question becomes, well, why is that? And then we get into what dairy products are actually designed to do. And milk is designed to feed infants, right? So mammals produce milk to feed their infants so that the infant grows really quickly. And the faster the infant grows, the better they're going to be able to survive out in the wilderness and terrible, treacherous terrain. So it makes sense that over the course of time, we've developed this perfect food for insulin or for babies that promotes growth. And that's what happens when people drink milk. They get this abnormal insulin spike because milk is designed for babies that need to grow quickly, not for adult humans. And then lo and behold, weight gain. And and in the studies that have been done around a paleo type of diet, cutting out dairy, even sort of quote unquote healthy dairy options actually helps people lose weight. So if that's necessary for her, then we could work on that as well. Um, But certainly just the how intense is her activity levels is she getting breathless is she sweating while she's walking how often is she playing badminton and if all of that stuff is in check then if she is getting a lot of fluid retention then i'm concerned about adrenal function we know if adrenals are weak that can happen and i'm concerned about estrogen levels we know if estrogen levels are dropping we can see this sort of um, fat storage in the chest fat storage in the arms so i would look at that as well We've talked a lot over the years about cleansing and ways to, you know, manage your weight and and also general well-being. We don't have to go completely into detail about cleansing because we've done that and we can cover it again. But it can be something to consider when it comes to maybe feeling better, maybe helping with water retention, maybe even losing a couple of kilos. And uh, one of our listeners texting earlier, you know, suggesting flaxseed flour and kefir are good for cleaning the internal. Uh, well, we're not sure about that, but it could well be flaxseeds is, you know, yeah, often flaxseed used. Yeah, flaxseed is a great natural laxative yeah. and kefir provides this probiotic protection. So yeah, you're going to have better bowel movements, including those foods for sure. And part of this is to help with your metabolism 
metabolism is that right definitely there's feedback from the digestive tract to the thyroid to help regulate metabolic rate so when a person is constipated and their bowel movements are really sluggish that can actually slow down your metabolic rate Okay, so uh, things to consider what we can be doing to feed our bodies internally to help us have, uh, but to process our food better, to metabolize our food better. Yeah, so the, in, in that sense, like whenever I see someone for the first time, I always ask really detailed questions about digestion. And if they're trying to lose weight and there's a digestive issue, usually we have to treat the digestive issue first in order to get the body properly metabolizing food, absorbing nutrients from food. So we'll, we'll, we'll target that aspect. Sometimes I see people who want to do a cleanse or they want to do sort of a quote-unquote detox. And we've talked a lot about that before. And my only hesitation around that is that healthy weight loss is slow and sustained. So when a person goes on sort of a juice cleanse or they go on a very restrictive diet, um, you know, some of these, and I do it sometimes with my patients when it's indicated, um, but when they go on a, a program that allows very rapid weight gain, often a lot of that gain, that weight, they'll just end up regaining when they go back to a normal diet. So my, I, I prefer strategies where we're fixing the underlying metabolic problem that led to the weight gain in the first place so that they lose the weight and keep it off. They don't regain it. That's really successful weight loss. It's, you know, the, the, in, in a sense, the, the weight loss itself is kind of the easy part. It's not easy. It's very difficult. But what's even more difficult is keeping it, maintaining, keeping yourself at that weight. And that's where, you know, the diet changes need to be not so much focused on a cleanse and more focused on how can we eat a balanced diet that's going to keep us healthy metabolically for the rest of our lives so that we can maintain a healthy weight. So uh, avoid those quick fixes or those, you know, diets that you think are going to make you have a body of a a model that you see on the catwalk in, you know, two months or whatever. You know, be really wary of that and be attuned to your own body, realistic and baby steps yeah absolutely and I'm glad you brought up the whole comparison with like the models and the movie stars and all of that all the images that we see in the media for the most part I know it's controversial to say but for a most part for the most part all of those women that we see are clinically underweight so you know sometimes I get women coming in saying oh you know I'm I'm active all the time and I'm I know I'm a healthy weight but I want to get a six-pack well it's not necessarily metabolically natural for a woman to have a visible six-pack or an eight-pack it's great fantastic you're fit you're healthy but to get your body fat that low isn't necessarily a healthy choice so unfortunately we are fed these images but a lot of those women are actually not healthy women they're underweight I think it's a really good point to make that you know what you deem to be or perceive to be healthy by the look of somebody and Mm. it's not always it's It's what's going on internally yeah Yeah, Yeah. exactly let's go to the phone lines and we've got Ashraf on the line good morning to you Ashraf good morning Susan how are you I'm good thank you I understand you've just come from the gym well, I was in the gym uh, earlier, yes, and I did uh, like a medium run workout. It was good. <laughs> You're getting the thumbs up there from Dr. Heather Eid. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. So you entered our Marathon Mania competition, and this is to run the Standard Chartered Dubai Marathon, the full marathon on the 20... When is it again? It's on the 22nd of January 2016. So why do you want... You've never done a marathon before, so why do you want to take it on? I've never done a marathon. I've done a couple of 10Ks and uh, some cycling events. But uh, last year, uh, my friend ran a marathon, and all you need to do is just 
to be there at the finish line and just see the emotions on, on the people who finished uh, the marathon, the pride, the relief, uh, the reward for all these hard work. And it's just, I caught the bug. Like I said, I want to do it. I, I really want to have this feeling. And another reason I want to do it is I want to do it for my father. My father was uh, diagnosed with cancer last September, and he's fighting it. And by God, he's doing a very good job doing it. And I just want to support him. I cannot be with him. He's in Syria. And this is what I, I want to do to support him as well. Well, it's amazing that you are taking on this challenge because it will be a challenge. I know you're quite fit. You do train six times a week and you, you run a lot in the gym. So it's going to be a little bit different out there training on the pathways and uh, safe roads of the UAE in those safe areas, keeping safe when you're running out there. Um, but you know what, Ashraf, congratulations. You win the prize. You get the free registration into the Standard Chartered Dubai Marathon, six months of marathon training with Urban Energy, along with the polar watch and the newton running shoes congratulations thank you this is amazing i never win anything and just when i win something i win the thing that i wanted the most so this is amazing thank you very much oh you're most welcome fantastic well we're going to be following your stories as you train over the next few months so we'll be in touch to set up the photo shoot and to i'll give you those prizes and to get you connected with urban energy to get you out there training as soon as possible so we wish you and your family all the very best ashraf Thank you very much. Have Thank a great you. day. Take care. Yeah, have a great day too. Thank you. Oh, it's inspiring, oh, isn't it? That was a nice story. That was lovely. And uh, the importance, of course, of exercise when it comes to managing weight. We've been talking about this throughout the morning and we continue to do so on Ion Health, but it's not to be underestimated. But some will say, many will say, and I think it's kind of become the rule that it has to start with your food, with your nutrition first. Some people think, well, you know, if I eat a load of junk or I'm, you know, in excess, but I'm going to the gym, I'm counteracting that. And you are to a certain extent, Mm. but you need to get your nutrition right. Absolutely. I mean, there there's there certainly there are people who are already a healthy weight they exercise a lot and so they allow themselves more you know sort of treats than other people and that's okay if they're maintaining but if we're actually talking about weight loss and people wanting to drop the six kilos or the eight kilos or the 12 kilos or whatever it is then there needs to be work around food for Mm. sure Now, if you, there's still a chance, there's still a couple of days to go if you want to enter the Marathon Mania competition. Check out our website. You need to register there. You get all the details of the prizes as well. So go to DubaiEye1038.com forward slash Marathon Mania and all the information for you to uh, submit your uh, entry. And you could be there running, training and running and entering the Standard Chartered Dubai Marathon in January next year. Uh, Text here, Dr. Heather. My daughter, 21, she's been overweight all along, tried many diets and even had an an operation. Uh, Is there a way to help her? She's concerned as well. Do boot camps help? Is there anything we can do to help her with this? Yeah, so it sounds like she's, you know, if she's been overweight her whole life, then the whole combination of diet and exercise is probably something that is still a little bit um, maybe confusing to her. Um, so just setting that those ground rules um, and understanding what her barriers are, you know, is it is 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 she someone that 
does eat a healthy diet and um, exercises regularly and um, understands how to limit carbohydrates and what carbohydrates are healthy, which ones aren't, how to get enough protein. If she does understand all of that very well and still can't lose weight, then the metabolic questions, thyroid, insulin, etc. Um, maybe there's a food intolerance that's elevating her cortisol levels. We should maybe look at that. Um, but the, the challenge that people face when they've been overweight as children is that you're fat cells multiply until you get to sort of puberty age. So when you're gaining weight as a child, you're actually gaining more fat cells. Once you sort of go through puberty, you can get more fat into the cell, but you won't get more fat cells. So the more fat cells you have once you've reached adulthood, the more the, the harder it is to lose weight and the, the more likely that per, that child will be an overweight adult. And the challenges you'll face as an adult managing right, your weight. Right. So if she has had, she's, they say she's had a sleeve operation. So she, she's had a gastric sleeve to try and shrink the stomach. If she has still gained weight with a gastric sleeve, then she's probably doing something with food that is undoing the benefit of that surgery. And, and it sounds to me like maybe we just need to work on food habits. You know, what is an appropriate um, pr- protein portion? What is an appropriate meal size? How many calories is she getting in? Can we track it? Um, and why are you eating yeah, and choosing there, the foods that you're choosing? Is there stress eating? Is there yeah. emotional eating? Do boot camps help? Well, any exercise will help. And a, a boot camp is sort of a, a, an intense kind of circuit training type of workout. So if she likes boot camps, then by all means, let's do it. But like you said before, if the dietary component isn't on track, it's easy to kind of undo the benefits of your exercise when it comes to weight loss. And just to highlight again, uh, we've been looking at this really from the point of view of in many ways gaining weight or losing weight when you're not intending to or if you're in that situation, how do you uh, address the balance? And we've highlighted some reasons why that might be happening for you. But to understand again, if you are overweight, if you're obese, the what the implications are for your long-term health so we've seen links to cancer mm-hmm. certain cancers heart and cardiovascular disease yep the big killers the big killers right now are diabetes heart disease and cancer and obesity is linked to all of those um, one of the things, you know, obviously I talk to people a lot about healthy weight, weight loss. I experience my own bodily changes with weight gain and weight loss like any woman. But I really think one of the things that I've been talking to people more about is because I've seen it so many times. One of the big limiting factors, I think, and maybe it's more an issue for women, but I think it's an issue for men as well. In order for the experience of weight loss, the diet changes, the exercise, to be something that's enjoyable and positive, we really need to just love ourselves as we are. And there's so much judgment around weight loss, weight gain, having the perfect body. Oh my God, I'm going to wear a swimsuit and am I going to look okay? All of that is just such an emotional waste of time. If we can just care for ourselves as we are, because our weight doesn't define us, then those changes that we do make become positive changes, something that we look forward to, something that excites us, rather than looking in the mirror and going, oh, I'm still not losing weight, or, oh, I'm, I'm on this diet and it's so restrictive, I just want to go eat cake. You know, it, it becomes a, a more a, a empowering experience rather than a demoralizing experience. Dr. Heather Eade, thank you very much for your time today. Dr. Heather is based at Intelligent Health on the Beach Road. We've posted up all her details, how to contact her, how to connect with Intelligent Health on the Dubai Today page at dubaii1038.com.